0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Story Worth Sharing podcast. It's me again, Chris, one of the hosts. But what people (laughs) are really here for is the other host. Yes, absolutely. The the caring, the considerate, the ever empathetic Emmy Rodriguez. Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Here
1: I am. (laughs) Here you are.
0: Here you are. Emmy, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. For those listening, we are well, we're we're in summer.
0: We are in the summer, yeah. We are
1: in the summer. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so we're we're like pre-recording these. I mean, we're definitely in the summer, but we're recording these about four to five weeks before they're actually coming out, yeah. just as people's schedules allow. And we're working through the staff here at Brad's Fellowship. But yeah, we're very much in the summer.
1: Do you like summer?
0: I love summer. Yeah. For uh, multiple reasons. One, I would, you know, I was going to say I'd rather be hot than cold, which I think is true, but I'm very hot-natured, so it could be 80 degrees outside and I'm hot. Um, but I like the summer just because of the pace changes a little and the semesters can be quite a bit of a grind, especially in, in ministry. And so, yeah, I I enjoy the summer. What about you?
1: I do love it. I don't know if I like being more hot though. I think I'd rather be cold. I think it's easier for me to warm up than it is. Me to cool well, down. Well, that's
0: because like half of your wardrobe is sweatshirts.
1: <laughs> You're not wrong.
0: Yeah. So it's <laughs> it, very
1: accurate. Yeah. It
0: could, it'll be July and you'll be wearing a sweatshirt.
1: I just like to be comfy. Yeah. Well, also though, working here, it is cold pretty much everywhere I feel like in this building. So, like, if I come in a short sleeve, I still have to bring a sweatshirt to wear that's most fair. of the day. Yeah. That's so fair. So I'm like, just wear it to start with. That's fair. That's my goal. That's fair.
0: So, other than the, the temperature part, what would you say <laughs> is your, if you could? spend any day relaxing during the summer mm-hmm. you get a day off maybe it's a holiday a weekend whatever yeah. how are you spending that day
1: um one with my friends um i have to have people around because yeah. i love it um but i also like being near the water so like if we could be on the lake or on yes. a beach like it doesn't really matter but i just like to be around a vicinity of water that we are you know having a chance to cool off yeah um but and then like sometimes like having a volleyball around mm. or something simple but and then like Food. Food is important. Yes. So, But basically, as long as I have my people and like some water activities, I'm great.
0: This is why we get along <laughs> this, so well. That's
1: very true. Because you
0: basically just described exactly what I would like for that day to look like as well. See, let's plan yeah. one. That's yeah. what we need to do. Yes. Volleyball, water. <laughs> I would take the lake over the beach every okay. single time. Really? Though. I'm not a big sand person, although I love sand volleyball. Yeah. It's weird, but different. I'm not a big sand person. So I yeah, I would take, that. I would take the lake.
1: Do you like, like boats? Like yes. taking a boat out? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm for that. I grew up doing that a lot and I do miss that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess I, we have a lake here, but I don't like our lake Okay. Here, I've so. lived,
0: I've <laughs> lived in Bryan College Station since 2008. Yeah. And I have never been to Lake Bryan. Me
1: either. I've never gone.
0: Not even once. Not
1: worth it for me. I mean, I'm sorry if you love it. You might really love it. And I, I love it for you. I don't think
0: anyone listening to this but podcast I, is just like, oh my gosh, I love Lake I Bryan grew so much. I up
1: on like. A lake, and so we didn't have a boat. My friends did, and so like I would go often, yes, like in the summer yes. or weekends, and be on the boat. And I love that. And I'm sad that I don't get to do that here. But
0: it's... yeah, know. Lake Conroe is not too far away, so it's I've never been nice. there
1: either. What? Maybe I should. I
0: know. Okay, yeah, Lake Conroe's is nice. Okay, you, you should I go should check go. out Lake Conroe. Uh, today's guest is our executive pastor here at Brazos Fellowship, Sean Parrish. And Sean, you've you've been around a lot longer than 2008, right? Uh, yes, I've been. Uh, <laughs> I came on when
2: my wife and I started uh, the first public service that we had in 2005. Nice. And then I came on staff in 2006.
0: Okay. How long have you been in Bryan College Station?
2: Kim, my wife, grew up here. Okay. Uh, Her dad was um, the pastor of First Baptist College Station for 30-something years. So she grew up in town. She went to school at TCU. We met in the Metroplex area where I grew up, and we moved here— uh,
0: 24 years ago. Okay.
2: I'm just thinking about my daughter. All daughter's yeah. 24, and I think we she came around about a year after we were here.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So, have you been to Lake Bryan?
2: Yes, I have been to Lake <laughs> Bryan. I've jet skied in Lake, Lake okay. Bryan. Okay. Here's the deal with Lake Bryan. I think um, I have superpowers, because um, there's a power plant right there by Yeah. It. And so... Half of the lake is really, really warm. <laughs> and so um, I don't know what's being fed into that oh, to make it really gosh. warm. Uh, but uh, I think I have probably a superpower that I'm not really for sure yet. There's probably some. Because of the time you
0: spent yeah, in the water. The <laughs> well, yeah. time spent in yeah. the water yeah. mm-hmm. um, now. But no, it's. I think it's more for the trail riding than yes. really Lake Bryan. Yeah, I've heard that they if. do like some even some competition like tough, mm-hmm. tough mudder type stuff out yeah. there and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you're not missing a whole lot uh, I'll just <laughs> on the, <laughs> the tour so. of, of lakes in Texas. So.
2: I don't think it's going to be. It, no one's going to go other way to. to yeah, go to so Lake Texas Bryant.
0: Monthly is not ranking Lake Bryan in their top ten Texas lakes for any lakes. reason whatsoever. What a Fishing, yes. skiing, yeah.
2: boating. Maybe
0: superpowers. <laughs> there you go. Uh-huh. Lakes that provide superpowers. <laughs> Lake <laughs> oh, Bryan, top of that's the list. Not yeah. Good. Yeah. So that's okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. We haven't missed much. That's that's definitely good to know. Yeah. Okay. So you've been here since the first public service of Brazos Fellowship in 2005. You've worn a lot of different hats on staff here. And what is your current role? So my current
2: role is I'm the executive pastor, which basically means um, I take care of all the stuff Will did not want to do. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's not true. Um, In a lot of ways, um, um, because of the nature of how we do services and the way we put together messages, a lot of time of Will is is eaten up in that time. Mm -hmm. And so for the rest of the ministries to move forward, he really needs somebody that can be a liaison between him and the rest of the staff to help them answer questions they have and um, find solutions to help them do the things they need to do in ministry and also to be a resource uh, to communicate back to him a lot of times, hey, this is where we're going, this is what's happening in the adult ministry and kids ministry and youth ministry. Um, and so that part of it's there. Also, the financial aspect of it is... Um, uh, is an area that I oversee mm-hmm. and, and take care of that part of so the business end of church. So churches are just like any company or any organization. There's uh, administrative business, all that kind of stuff. And Leslie Allman helps me out and does a lot of that now. Yeah. Where I used to be more hands on in that, but I'm also in charge of that that yeah. part as well.
0: Yeah, it it's an interesting realization when you come on staff at a church and you realize. Man, I, I feel like the word "church" and "business." It's like it feels icky when you use those two words in the same sentence. But that's a very, very mm-hmm. much a re- it has to be a reality, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. you're dealing with people, and there are programs, and there are things like if we want to have an impact, if we want to connect with people, if we want to help people see their faith and their life work together there is a business aspect of we just have to keep things moving around here we have Mm -hmm. to keep the lights on and there's just a not just financially but there's a lot of business Mm -hmm. aspects to an hr and just relationships and everything else and so yeah that's always a weird realization especially i get to see that bringing college students on in an intern role or whatever and then get to have that conversation Mm -hmm. like two months in and they're like this is not at all what yeah. I like envisioned when I thought about yeah. ministry. I'm like, yeah, welcome, welcome to ministry. That's yeah. that's yeah, that's how this goes. So
2: well, but it's you know, you kind of look at it and even in, in the Old Testament, you see these stories of Moses. Moses was being led by God, but there was just admin stuff that had yeah. that many people that had to be taken care of and and to take care of people well, there's some systems and programs that have to be put in place. And if you don't, people start feeling
0: it. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: and so that's what I kind of get to do a, a lot mm-hmm. of. So
0: now you didn't go to school to be a an executive pastor. I don't, no. Can you do that? Is there like an executive I pastor degree know. somewhere? Maybe I don't know if you can go to seminary and get an executive <laughs> pastor
2: degree. But I, th- I think you can get probably a business degree. Yeah. In, in church business,
0: maybe. I yeah, guess. I don't. Yeah, know. I guess. I guess maybe. Yeah. But you didn't go to school to be yeah. an executive pastor, and you have transitioned through a lot of different roles here at the church to become executive pastor, but what are some of the moments when you just look back on your story, your faith journey, like and even encountering God for the first time, you talked about how Kim's dad was a pastor, but it, just encountering God for the first time, what are some of those moments that led up to all of a sudden you look up in 2021 and you're like, man, I'm an executive pastor. And this, you know, this person that's in this role of really helping a lot of ministry happen. How, what are some of those moments that got you to this place yeah
2: um well you know I grew up in a in a, in a family that believed uh, in the Lord and you know that kind of helped me have a foundation moving um, through junior high and high school and and, and into college and um, and if I'm really honest um, pursuing God in my relationship was not the highest of my priorities um, yeah through college and through a lot of my early um, 20s. Uh, But then I got married and and it was important to Kim. It was important to me. Uh, Even though I wasn't pursuing it, I I felt like I always had a relationship with God. I just wasn't actively growing it
0: in the way that I needed to
2: be. Um, But um, it took me a little while to get through school. um, And um, I became uh, a teacher and a coach is what I was trained to do and was doing that and, and loved it and thought I'd do it forever. And, I was teaching a, a class called Teen Leadership, and it's a leadership course that's an elective that kids can take and really helps them kind of think through some things. And, and I was doing a lesson on where we spend our time tells us what we really value. Hmm. And so in coaching, I would it was nothing for me during a football season to put in 100 hours a week. Yeah, And I was making the example to the kids, okay, we tell our, you tell your parents, you are the most important people in my life. But yet, how much time are you actually setting aside <laughs> right. to be with your parents? Right, yeah. And the same, all of a sudden, God hit me in that moment with, like, how much time are you setting aside for your wow. family? that's good. And so in that, God really started speaking to me in that time and really preparing my heart for maybe there was going to be something different other than what I thought the journey I was going to go on. I thought I was going to go and become a head coach and, and kind of move that route. And and through the course of time, and then Kim and I were um, her dad retired at that time, and we were kind of looking for a new church. It was kind of hard for her to stay there. It wasn't because it was bad. It was yeah. just it's hard whenever there's people are excited about the new coming mm-hmm. in. Nothing wrong with it. she was too, but to, and so we were kind of looking around and and really kind of getting under the wing out from under the wings of, of parent faith and mm-hmm. our own faith. Yeah. And we were looking for a place, and and Kim found a flyer for uh, Brazos Fellowship. Uh, I think it was a, a mailer that, that uh, the church had put out. And it looked similar to a church that my brother and sister were attending up in the, in the Denton area. And so she said, hey, you want to try this? And, and we did. and And so we walked in, and it wasn't more than, you know— two songs in we kind of looked at each other and said we're home huh. and, and it wasn't because the music was great at that time the music that we have now is not what we were having uh, that's funny. then. that's and it wasn't it as bad it was just we just felt like okay this is home yeah and this is the same story that a lot of people have yeah. when they walk in you know and so that kind of t- took me on a journey of going through it and then um will uh, asked me to come on um, to help oversee the kids area
0: that that is a that's funny to think about now. Like, yeah. I knew that, and yeah. I figured you were going to go there. Sean Parrish, kids director.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, the kids are a lot happier. I'm not the kids director. <laughs> um, but no, um, yeah, because I've been in education. Um, Leslie, his wife, was yeah. running it for us when they first moved here and started the church, and uh, they were about to have um, their third child, and so she was wanting to to move out of that role. And so, um, I decided, uh, Kim and I decided that I would step out of coaching, continue teaching, uh, and I would take over the kids area and we were kind of starting small groups at that time. So I was really kind of overall education okay. um, at, at that point. Uh, even though like small groups, there were like three small groups or something like that. It wasn't a lot. And, um, so I did that for about a year and, um, we were continuing to grow and, uh, about that time, an opportunity came to actually um, get into this building uh, that we're in. I was transitioning on to full-time at that time. And so um, I don't know how it happened. Will didn't really say, hey, do this. It was just kind of he and I were doing stuff together. The staff was really small at that time. And I started working um, with trying to help put some things together to actually get the building uh, hmm. and stuff. And then once we got the building the renovation part of it, working with a contract the architect who has been better at the time, a friend and a, and a church attendee. And um and so I started taking on kind of more of that role. And as we kept growing a little bit more, um, Will had seen this example um uh of somebody who could partner with him um to give the staff what they needed um so ministry could continue on. And it's kind of like we always give the example of um if the bus driver has to stop and answer questions, you never get that far down the road. And so it's my job to kind of help answer the questions and kind of like the mom on, the, on, a, on a road trip. You yeah. know, I'm the one that's turning around giving the snacks <laughs> and
0: that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. No,
2: but, um, but so that kind of – we he asked me to transition into that part of it. Um, we brought a few new staff people in that were part-time and stuff. And so I'll, that's really how I transitioned into that. And I draw on my coaching much more than I ever thought I would. Um, when it comes to like structure and and how we're going to do things. And even my role now is much more about coaching leaders. I mean, I really see that's kind of the main thing that I get to do on a weekend. weekend, but help build systems for us Mm -hmm. and then help coach um, young leaders develop uh, and uh, find their full potential.
0: Has there ever been this moment where you are like, man, did I make the right decision? Uh, no, there hasn't been,
2: but I will tell you this, God blessed me with the opportunity to go back and coach, Mm -hmm. um, something that I, uh, um, I love doing. And so my daughter, um, attended Brazos Christian. Um, and so I just thought, I don't, I don't have a lot of money to give extra. I don't have a lot of time to give extra, but I do have this talent that a lot, a lot of people have. And Mm -hmm. so I just went to the head coach at the time and said, Hey, I'd be willing to volunteer and help out in any way that I can. And that led to me, ended up coaching there for eight years. Wow. And so God um, fulfilled that kind of hobby that I Mm -hmm. have, an itch. So I got to kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, So, no, I've never had a thing where, like, man, I made the wrong call. I really felt like um, this is where God wants me to be. Yeah. uh, Through it.
0: Yeah, I've heard it said often, like, Go into ministry if you can't see yourself doing anything else, right? It's like you should not go into ministry Mm -hmm. if there's an out. If there's any other option, go do that thing, right? Because ministry Mm -hmm. is so hard. But I I think that it's super interesting, like – so often, and I think that this is one of the things I have found really interesting. And I mean, I think you would concur as we've had these conversations with our staff. Like I, I've known, not we're not classically trained, right? Mm-hmm. right. Not a lot of seminary degrees yeah. on this staff or whatever. But it's so cool to hear these stories about people who it's like this didn't even make sense ultimately of what their plan was or what the, their trajectory was. But then when you hear about what God has done and what He's done in their heart, what they've learned, how He's brought them to this place, it's like oh, that makes total sense. Uh, And it's just cool to see how God orchestrates and works these things together and brings us to this moment when maybe along the journey, we didn't see where he was leading and what it was going to look like. So, Yeah, I think that
2: is, um, I think that's a big lesson that I've learned in this is that I've always had destinations in mind. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I get to those destinations, but it's not how I ever would have gone Mm -hmm. about doing it and it's really the journey that's much more important than actually where where we end up. Yeah. Of things.
0: Yeah, so good.
1: I think one of the my favorite things is when you look back on your story and then you look at where you are today is thinking about the people that were involved in that process. And so, who are some of the key people that God's used to walk with you? That have been a big impact on your story.
0: Yeah. Um there's a lot, but um I'd say Well um, when when you get as old as you are, exactly you've interacted with a lot of people. A Ouch. lot of yeah. people and uh, <laughs> and no, yes, I mean, he is my boss. Wisdom wisdom has a price to pay. And <laughs> some oh, people haven't true. paid that price yet,
2: you know. So <laughs> like me, who talk about my <laughs> boss being old. <laughs> no. Um when I got into coaching, um, uh, you know, there's some people in my younger years, but there was a guy by the name of, he was my head coach named Marty Criswell. And um, a strong believer, and he really showed me that um, how to live out my faith in a secular environment. And, um, I mean, he loved me well through some really hard times um, that God was working in my life. He stood by me in ways he'll never really fully know by just believing in me hmm. and um, believing in God and, and, and encouraging me to trust um, the path that, that God had taken me on. So he was big, and then you know, Will has played a, a big impact uh, in my life. And really, the cool thing about our staff is that we work together, and we may not all hang out together at, at different ages. <laughs> yeah, know, the, the younger the staff is, they, they're much more hanging out together as we start mm-hmm. having kids and our are different areas. It's, it's not as much as we'd like at times but um just the whole environment here has has been a really blessing to me uh to have some people come along and and share and then um there was a gentleman um that um uh was an ex- executive pastor at a church that uh, we were really f- uh, friends with and uh, he's about my age but he'd been doing it um probably about four or five years before i ever came into it and he played an integral part in my life and and kind of showed me some things through the job, how God had taught him, but also how um, he's taught me. And, you know, Chris, you mentioned um, this job is so hard, if there's anything. And I, I'll i give it to God as the reason for it. Most people, when we say that statement, go like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's not until you actually get into it that you go like, oh, wait a second, this is more than just praying and, and opening up the doors. And one of the things that I always tell new employees when they come on, is hey, man, I'm. You've got a wonderful plan, and I cannot wait to see how God's going to do it. I just need to prepare you. In about a year and a half, you're going to hit a wall, and you're going to wonder what the heck this is all about. Mm-hmm. And it's in that moment that God's starting to prepare you for the next journey in, in your walk, and and knowing that there are people around who are going to walk beside walk beside me. Um, during those really hard times, um, has just been a, a huge life-giving thing, um, and been, made a major impact on my own personal walk uh, as a father, as a as a leader, as a coach, um, and, and as a as a pastor.
0: Yeah, man, that that's so good. And you you mentioned several lessons. You mentioned that uh, Marty was that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marty helping you recognize what it looked like to live out your faith in a secular a secular environment and, and several other lessons that you've learned um, and even just, man, what that struggle looks like in ministry, what would you say are some of the, the lessons that you continue one to have to walk through? I mean, the lessons are ongoing, right? It's not like, Oh, I figured mm-hmm. that check, yeah. check the box. I don't have to worry about that anymore. It's like, no, That's very cyclical. You're going to come back to that lesson. But what are some of the things that you feel like you are carrying with you in this season of your life or just some some big lessons that God is teaching you, some things that you're learning about yourself and just about what life looks like?
2: Yeah, I think um, my 40s, um, I'm 51 right now. In my 40s, God really, um, I was in a place to be much more open to what God um, wanted to do in my life and it's become more and more obvious as I continue to get older, the transformative process of uh, becoming like Jesus is something that we flippantly say, like, oh, yeah, God's transforming us into his likeness or whatever. But we don't realize that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like That's what it's all about in a lot of ways. And there's so much of us having to try and prove ourselves in our 20s and our early 30s as a parent, as an as a, as employee, having, having a job, we're so much trying to figure out, hey, do I got it, that it's hard f- for us to allow God to transform us um, because transformation of work is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And in our 40s, we start coming to a place where we're like, oh, I don't, yeah, I've done some things but I don't have it together. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I when Ben Boettcher, um passed away, I think I was 45, 46, and, and I sat in his um, ceremony, and our auditorium was pretty much full mm-hmm. and thought, man, how do I have a life that I can impact this many people? Mm. And I don't know if I'm having that life right now. Wow. You know? And so it really through some things like that. My my daughter um, going off to school. My oldest, uh, my youngest, is about to go to college. And it's so crazy <laughs> it is. And you start thinking, okay, have I done all that I was supposed to do to represent um, what um, a relationship like? If I made appealing enough, if, mm-hmm. I, if I made my own home appealing enough that she just mm-hmm. wants to come home on her own. Yeah. Um, and so man, there was some really some some times when I just was really just. Um, challenged by god in some ways and some real wrestling with him and um i used to get scared about wrestling with god and now i see it's the process of transformation and so i think those are areas where i'm in right now um and the more that i have to wrestle with god the more humble i become um the more empathetic i truly become because now you know um, i walk with a limp because and that limp is what attracts others to my story yeah and it also allows me to go like, ooh, I see the same limp in them. And so God uses that transformation, the hurt, the, the pain, the, the strengthening that happens from it to um, widen our um, ability to, to help and to love and to, and to care for others. So yeah. mm-hmm.
0: those are some of the things that I'm yeah, going Yeah, no, that's through. so good. And you've thrown out two Old Testament story references mm-hmm. already. already. So Jacob with the limp and then Abraham and yeah. his leadership, which is impressive. Uh, but, okay, I have a follow-up because what do you do? You, you're very much a, a mentor, fatherly figure to a lot of people on the staff and just a lot of people in your life. What do you do when – you ask that question, have I done enough um, to create the home that my daughter wants to come back to? Have I done enough to show them what a personal relationship with Jesus looks like? What do you do when you come to this place where you're like, I'm not sure the answer is yes? Like, and not let that just be this really debilitating, defeating thing, but let it, not just encourage you to be better because whatever that's but that ultimately that's not the point what do you do in those moments because i've had some conversations with you and i know especially as your oldest was preparing to leave the house there was a lot of that struggle and mm-hmm. you and and will went through the same thing kind of at the same time and it was like what does this look like have we done what we were supposed to do what do you do when you feel like the answer is no but it's out of your control
2: uh, a lot of brokenness <laughs> um yeah i think whether I had or whether I hadn't, my daughter would say that I had. Um, I, at that moment, didn't know. Yeah. And I think um, oh, there's a flood of poor decisions that you make. No parent is going to um, no be perfect. No disciple is going to be perfect. No. And um, I think that God really used that time to break me down. And it was a tough year. I mean, it was. It was probably one of my toughest years, um, but it was also a year that um, God showed me a lot of things and taught me a lot of things because I was broken to a place where a lot of my things that we used to defend ourselves, that armor, all of a sudden started mm-hmm. being broken down, and I felt very vulnerable. So God really used that, and I think that's how he used all of us. I think that's – if there was any way that God could could transform us without pain, he would, but, but since – He gives us free will. Pain all of a sudden is this avenue that we gets our attention. That's good. And in that pain process, we can either become bitter or we can let it transform us. Mm. And I've learned that if I can let it transform me, then um, there's so much more out on the other side of it. And it's it's one of those deals where I go like, I would never – on my most greatest struggles, I wouldn't wish those days on my worst enemy. Hmm. But I also know if I wouldn't have had those struggles, I wouldn't have the relationship that I have with God right now. Because he showed up in ways I could have never imagined. He was my strength. He was my rock. And I had these really intimate times. And I can even in the moment think, God, why do you keep me in this place? Like, haven't I learned the lesson? Haven't I done the thing? And and it wasn't audible, but the sense that came across to me is like, why would I want to leave this? Mm. Do you know that you're? We have some of the best conversations we've ever had. Do you know that you come and you're not in a hurry to leave my my presence? Like I love the yeah. Sean that you are right now. Yeah. Now he's loving enough that he doesn't leave me there. That's good. But mm-hmm. in that, like, he's getting everything that we want, and we're getting everything we need. We're completely dependent on him at yeah, that time. Good. But yet, whenever I don't have pain. It's human nature not to become as dependent as that we are and we get distracted by other things and then pain has come back in our life to actually be away. And then you start beating yourself up like why do I have to have pain to have the relationship that I have without it? So
0: that's good. That's good.
1: Oftentimes with our staff you will share some of the things you're doing to help you grow, whether it's a podcast or a book you're reading um, which is super great because I think that encourages us a lot. Things that we call private disciplines. So mm-hmm. what are those things or what are some of those things that have been a part of your story and things that even you're finding to enjoy doing more now?
2: I've kind of gone through the game, is how I've kind of grown in some things. Um, I've gone where I've listened to a lot of different pastors and their podcasts and stuff. I've, uh, I'm the process of reading a lot of theological books right now that have been really beneficial to me. But really the consistent thing is just being in the Word, and that's taking a lot of different turns. Um, And I find that once I start getting, like I get a formula down, I can only stay there for so long before it's like, okay, I'm just going through the motions. I'm not really getting anything out of it. So I've done everything from being on a reading plan to reading through um, the Bible in a year to um, reading through and having a commentary or something like that that kind of helps me go through it. I'm not a huge journaler, not because I don't believe in it, because I'm dyslexic. Writing gets in the way of my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so it's not as beneficial for me. And then I, and then because I don't spell well, I'll go back a month later and, like, what did I even mean there? <laughs> like, it made total sense. So Aww. what I'm saying is I um, will um, really um, has found a lot, and I know a lot of you, Chris, I think have, have really found some really benefits in journaling. And I think journaling is wonderful. It, um, it's been something that hasn't been easy for me. But what I'm doing right now, it's actually really simple. I, w- I pick a uh, – and I've probably been doing this for about a year and a half now. I pick a um, – a book that I feel like God's calling me into right now. I'm in Isaiah, which is hard.
0: <laughs> and I, and the, I like that pause. It's like, I'm what in, word did best describes Isaiah? I'm in the first part of Isaiah. The back half of Isaiah gets a lot
2: more um, uplifting. But, man, the first half, it's just a lot of destruction and 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 God warning about what's going to happen. And But um, I take a chapter of that, I read it, kind of um, pray about it a little bit. And then um, Tim Keller has a book um, on the Psalms. Uh, or is it proverbs it's proverbs and um he they don't go in order they're just kind of a uh, themed around a different mm-hmm. um sort of thing and i'll read a little bit of that little devotional right there and then um and then in my prayer time um uh i uh, try and really visualize just spending time with god um being in his presence um and uh, either praying through the lord's prayer or um Praying through a couple of different verses that I've memorized. And then um, each day I have um, a group of people that I pray for. So on Monday, it's my family. On Tuesday, it's the sixth, and that's the sixth that I think will be my pallbearers. And I pray okay, mm. what, what am I living a life for them that's worthy of them? honoring me mm-hmm. in that way and then I pray for my extended family on Wednesday um, on Thursday there's some individuals that I mentor outside the staff that I pray for and then on Fridays and Saturdays I pray for each of the staff members um, in groups throughout those days and so that's kind of my rhythm that I've come to do but prayer being in his word um, and uh, and then also just being in community with people that I can kind of talk to are kind of be my foundational things
0: I love that you said, you know, you look up sometimes and you're like, man, this is just kind of going through the motions kind of stale. It's so important. We've talked about this on this podcast a lot, like different tools for different seasons. And I think sometimes, especially when you look at, oh, of course, you're going to say that you're the executive pastor of a church and you think the most important thing is spending time with God who would have figured you know like of course but it's so important to recognize no matter where you are in your journey there is something you can be doing mm-hmm. to spend time with God to engage I was having a conversation with a student earlier and he was talking about how he wanted to pray more but he was struggling and I was like man it. for me right now in this season the most productive time of prayer I have is not in a prayer closet mm-hmm. I don't have a prayer closet where I currently live and I have two kids kids Five and younger, so prayer closets don't exist. But I do have a car ride, yeah. and I drop my youngest off at daycare, and then I have about twelve minutes before I get to work, and mm-hmm. it's like that twelve minutes has turn the radio off, like silence, whatever, and that's the time where I choose to engage and pray, whatever. So it's finding those moments, finding that space, whatever. I think that that's that's yeah. so huge because it is so easy to be like, no, this is what the ideal looks like, and it has to be that. Yeah. It has to be this thing. And, and sometimes it's just, it's not going to be.
2: Yeah, one of the things I've found, I'm starting to encourage people more of, um, I'm just going to be honest, it's better for me when I read out of a, a real Bible, I mean, like a, a yeah. real book. But I've been in the Bible app. Um, just because it's convenient, no matter where I go, it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, if I I have three or four translations that I like to kind of look at, so if I read something, I'm like, mm, I'm not for sure. I can easily go that translation. The Bible app um, will will give your streaks, mm-hmm. and if you're competitive yeah. at all, yeah, it is a great tool of like. Man, I don't want to beat my streak. I mean, I've gone for a week. I, don't, I mean, so it's an encouragement that mm-hmm. kind of helps you kind of yeah. do some things. And so, like you said ideal is this, but what I've come to learn is more practical for me is this in this season. Yeah. And I think whatever we can do to help us is, is the best way of going about. It. So whether it's praying in the car on the way in, or it's the first thing you do in the morning, or it's the last thing you do at night, yeah. or it's, Hey, I'm going to, um, I take a, a 10 o'clock break every day to have a cup of coffee. I'm gonna go back to my desk and just find some
0: time, mm-hmm. whatever we can do. I think is, is yeah. wonderful. So good. Mm-hmm. So when you put all of this stuff together, the lessons that you've learned when you look back over your journey and how you got to where you are. Um, You talked earlier about some of this pain, some of these processes that help you be more empathetic and to relate to people more. Like how do how does all of this come together and influence who you are in that community, in your relationships with other people? When you think about, you know, I, I, the six, like, I think that that's super cool. Am I being the person that I need to be to these people, the guys that you mentor? Like how does all of this influence external Sean in the way you interact with the people around you?
2: Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I think that this journey really became more obvious in my forties and it's taking me, you know, uh, 11 years and I'm not anywhere close to being where I, I would like to be, but I really believe the fruits of the Spirit, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all those are the model of Jesus, and it's the model he's giving us in the transformation. Mm. And i got to be honest, um, I don't don't know if I naturally got any of those fruits of the Spirit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not very patient. Um, In my 30s and 20s, I'm not very kind. And truthfully, there are times that the staff would say I'm not very kind right now. I mean... I'm very blunt. I'm direct. I think I'm being kind by not being around the (laughs) bush. The way I see it is like I've probably been a really good surgeon or a doctor because if I have to break your leg to reset it and no one else can do it, I'll break your leg to reset it because I love you enough to do that. Well, that's all wonderful and good whenever you want me to re-break your leg. I'll sit there and go like, you need to break, that leg needs to be broken. Let me come break. You don't even know you're ready to do it. Yeah. So what I'm saying is I'm learning that my personality, there's some great traits to it. I mean, there's some that have just um, have really hurt some people and, and, and have gotten in the way of my spiritual walk. And, and I feel like in the last 11 years, I'm getting better. But I've learned um, I'm a huge control freak. And where I do know this, when I am working with an individual or I'm asking some people some questions or trying to help it, I no longer care what the outcome is. For me. Mm. I care what the outcome is for them. And if I see a path they need to go down, but they're not ready to go down that path, I don't need to worry about that. And that to me is a huge thing because that used to spend a lot of my energy trying to figure out how do I manipulate, how do I control, how do I get this to be the thing that I think they need to be. And that very rarely now comes across my mind in interactions. And Mm -hmm. that used to come across a lot. Yeah. So, um, no one I think who interacts with me, um, sadly, would say that I'm gentle. <clears throat> <laughs> but I do know that that a gentler me is what God's transforming me yeah, into, that's good. And, and not in, in a weak way, but in a more compassionate and, and a, and a um, stronger way. But is there to help build up? I think power. Is something whenever power is given to us to help others, not help ourselves. And I think we as society um, would do a lot better if those of us who have any power whatsoever, we become more like Christ when we use that. You know, God used his, Jesus used his power to heal, he used his power to encourage, he used his power to lift people up. He even used his power to challenge people in a mm. loving way, but it was never, he never used his power for himself. Yeah. And I think, man, if we can become uh, more like him, then we can use the gift that we're given, the power that we've been given to make it more other-focused than us-focused. Then we're on to something, and we're moving in a way that we can really, God can really use us to to pour into others.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. man. I, one of the most impactful statements you've ever made to me, I was having a conversation with you about a diff- difficult leadership uh, situation, and you said, Chris, you have to come to this place where, you move past wanting what you think is best for them and actually wanting what is best for them. And like that was so transformative for me because I often think my plan for you is the best plan for you, but that's not always the case. And so it's like, no, I just want what's actually best for you, not what I think is best for you. And you have, have lived that out and exemplified that. And man, I'm, I'm super grateful to be able to sit under your leadership and be on staff with you and, and get to see how honest you are about, recognizing that you don't always have it all together Mm -hmm. and that you don't always get it right but that's one of the things that i love the most about you because we are very similar in a lot of ways and we have a lot of similar personalities and so it's almost like i have a leg up because you've already walked some of these paths and certainly i have to learn some of these lessons on my own but a lot of times you've been able to pull me aside and be like hey i know where this leads Mm -hmm. i've been down this road Here's a lesson that I think might be helpful for you. And so often it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm glad I did not run into oncoming Mm -hmm. traffic uh, to learn that lesson. And Sean did it for me. So thanks. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I I do. I'm a crash check. There you (laughs) go. There you go. Awesome.
2: (laughs) Thank you for that, Chris. Yeah. Oh, man. It's been a blast.
0: Well, we are super thankful that you came on the podcast and and opened up and shared some of your story. But before we let you go, mm-hmm. we're going to do a little something <laughs> that we call the hot seat. I say we call the hot seat, but this is actually the first time we've done this particular segment. Time. So you, you are a crash test dummy for the hot seat. Bring it on. Bring okay, it on. so what's going to happen is Emmy's going to just read. I think there's 10... Basically, questions, statements, ideas, whatever. And just kind of the first thing that comes to mind when you hear each of these things is going to be your answer. So, All right. Okay. My tush is heating up as we go. Oh, yes, here, okay, we go. here we go. Okay, here
1: we go. The first one. What would you do if you won the lottery?
2: Buy a um, beach house in um, uh, on 30A in Florida.
1: Okay. You've been go. there often?
2: Uh, every year for the last 22 years. Love it.
1: See, he knew. <laughs> yep. I love yep. it. Okay. What was your favorite game as a child?
2: Um, okay, I liked it. just really wasn't a game, but I loved army men and I would set them up in my garage and take pennies <laughs> and shoot them across. <laughs> and so that's how you'd have wars oh my gosh. with your buddies. So I could set those up for hours and then. And then nice. I yep. love it. That's great.
1: What food do you crave most often?
2: All of them. Uh, <laughs>
1: Everything.
2: Yeah, I used to not be a sweeter at all, but all of a sudden now, um, chocolate shakes are something that I really I really crave.
1: I haven't had one in so long. That sounds good. Yeah, really? Maybe after. <laughs> um, if you were a superhero, what powers would you have?
2: Oh, great question. Um, if I was a superhero, I would. Flying comes into my mind, but then I'm like, why do I really need to fly? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Yeah. But. That, cool go party flying. trick. But, yeah, it'd be a yeah. cool party trick, but I didn't really yeah. do, do a whole lot. <laughs> Show it off. Uh
1: who would you call to bail you out of jail?
2: Who would I call to bail me out of jail? Um <laughs> my wife. But man, it would really be Oh, uh, to I be a fly on the wall for that I conversation. Stay, <laughs> I want to stay in jail yeah. more than more than that. So. Oh uh, man.
1: What dish would you bring to a potluck?
2: Mm, I love me a good potluck because I'm a big casserole guy. <laughs> um, said I like, no one ever, yeah. know yeah, I really am. I like <laughs> things mixed together, but I don't know how to cook any casseroles, so I don't know what I'd bring. I would probably bring. Um, so this is kind of around family gets together, kind of like Thanksgiving. So I would bring the stuffing, the, the dressing, mm, the dressing, yummy, not stuffing, dressing.
1: Oh, different, different. Chris said no, they are I don't, different. Yeah, I don't
0: prefer either one. Okay,
1: and, good to know. What is something on your bucket list?
0: Something
2: on my bucket list would be, man, my wife's the dreamer when it comes to vacations. But um, I've already done it. But to go back to Paris and spend some time in Paris again. And this time, maybe do the countryside a little bit more than mm, we did There last you go. I love it. It. Yeah. yeah.
1: Tell us about your worst job.
2: Oh, I've had some really bad jobs. Um, okay, so I worked for a bricklayer for um, a week, and uh, it was a buddy of mine's uncle um, in college, and it got I paid got paid really well at the time, but I was just I just mixed and and moved bricks around. But man, I got cussed at from the time I showed up until the time I left. And it was about a 12-hour-a-day job. And all I did was mix mud and throw bricks up to guys and carry bricks all over the place. And I just realized, after about the 999 cussing for not knowing that I was supposed to know how to do something, uh, maybe there's something else Sean can do with it. Uh, instead of this, no matter how much money it's worth. Oh, that's so good.
1: Okay, what three words would you use to describe yourself?
2: Loyal, dependable, and... Loyal, dependable, and I don't know how to say it in a word. Um,
0: so indescribable.
2: I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, <I'm> indescribable. <laughs> um, I stand up to bullies for people. I don't know how to say that better, but I don't like it whenever I feel like somebody's bullying somebody else. So Defender.
0: Defender. There you go. There you go. I was like,
1: I don't know. Uh, okay, follow-up
0: That's question. Good. What three words would your youngest daughter use to describe you? An idiot. (laughs) Uh,
2: um, Loving and um, listener. There you go.
1: Awesome. (laughs) Okay, last one. What is your favorite attribute of God?
2: Oh, wow. That's a great question. Patience.
0: Thank goodness.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very thankful for his patience because it's –
0: He's had to have plenty with me. (laughs) Oh, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. This was great. Call me back anytime. I'll sit on a couch and talk all day long. Sweet. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Emmy, until next time.
1: Until next time. Thanks for hanging out and listening with us, friends.
0: Yeah, we'll see you storytellers later.
1: Bye.